Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And it's the Titterpigs, the RPG podcast. Am I getting paid for this one? listeners welcome back to episode 32 of titter pigs god scott it's been what a month since we've been in the studio uh yeah it's been it's been a good month uh we've we've been busy my fault I, blame me i i you know i i wouldn't blame you to your face uh but um I, you know i you know I, I heard that right? <laughs> but yeah no it's it's been it's been a good month we, i mean we we've we've been busy with uh personal things and you know this is this our wonderful podcast is a labor of love, but unfortunately, our love for uh, you know financial stability and 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 not getting divorced does take precedent. Uh, True story <laughs> over the podcast, but but no, we we need to get back into the swing of things the best we can because you know I want to get us uh, nominated for the Ennies uh, next year, and we need to put it, put forth some more episodes here that way. Uh, we can be nominated for best YouTube video or whatever fucking yeah, whatever just what I wanted to win whatever the fucking category, category they decide to call it next year. I don't know, but you know, it's it will, actually we'll we'll submit for best uh, uh, digital product and and hey, see fantastic. See if <laughs> We're a shoe in. We're a shoe in. But so no. But first, before yes. before we jump in, I do I do want to apologize to listeners for tardiness on getting episode thirty two recorded and out to everybody. Mm-hmm. I've been super duper busy. This one's totally on me. My son moved 500 miles away from home and for a new job after graduating college. Mm-hmm. I've been busy with helping him get basically setting up a new home and get him into an apartment up there, getting a move. So that has taken all of my spare time. Now that he's moved and settled in, mm-hmm. hey, now we're looking at a government shutdown. So and we're both <laughs> federal employees. So hey, what the hell? So. Here we are. We're recording again. When it rains, it pours. I mean, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens in a, in another week. And and anyone who's so. moved knows moving is not easy, and it's it's no, always it's not always a stressful event. So, but uh, but I'm glad I haven't that, done it in, tw- in 19 years, and I just helped my son move, and that was an experience I don't want to do again anytime soon. So, question: Did, did he have like when you were moving stuff? Because uh, I know I had it when my parents helped me move for the first time. Was there like one box that he said, "Dad, don't, don't." Don't open that. That's. Well, I'll take care of that later. 
Um. <laughs> no. Okay. No, thankfully, no. A, a drawer didn't open up on on a on a dresser, no. and he's like, "Don't look." No. At- okay. Good. Good. No, guy. no, he did pack some of his own boxes and sealed them up. So, hey, whatever. <laughs> he's he's twenty one. He's an adult. Right. I don't, I don't care. Right. Right. So yeah, no. So we we are back uh, in the studio, and um, uh, after our wonderful introduction here, we have a a great interview that we have with uh, Charlie Menzies of Parable Games. So uh, looking forward to uh, everyone uh, listening to that as he talks about his new Kickstarter company. But before we get to that segment, uh, why don't we, you know, just kind of bring everyone up to date? Uh, what have we been up to as far as you know, gaming wise, and uh, kind of tell everyone what's new with us. Okay, well, I guess I'll I'll take the helm on this one okay. first. So I haven't done a lot of gaming, obviously, over the last month since we last recorded. Mm-hmm. But um, as of this recording, um, the last two days, since today is a Sunday, it's the 24th of September, in fact. <laughs> uh, the last two days, I have spent online doing um, Owlbear and Wizard Staff mm-hmm. virtual games for the online game convention. And I have had a blast. Yeah. I got to play Cthulhu Dark for the first time after all these years. I finally got to play it. With, uh, one of our friends, uh, Anthony. Yeah. So that was good. He ran a fantastic game. The players were wonderful. Um, and then podcast uh, listener uh, Tristan, mm-hmm. friend of ours from Japan, ran a Call of Cthulhu game over two sessions. Mm-hmm. So roughly six and a half, almost seven hours we played. Unfortunately, we didn't get to like, a truly satisfying conclusion, but we did get to a conclusion and he ran an all Spanish, a Spanish written campaign that he had translated into English because it's not available in English as of right now. And that was La, La Broma Macabra. Uh, the author who wrote that scenario is a gentleman by the name. Some some listeners may recognize the name. Alex Della Inglesia. He is also the screenwriter for the HBO series 30 Coins. So, uh, if you get the chance to play that, Scott, yeah. fantastic scenario. There's so many moving pieces, and we all kind of surmise that it would it would probably take a good five or six sessions to really fully explore that scenario. It was it was it was really good. It it, it looks fantastic because I I remember it making the rounds initially when it was first presented, and of course. In true gamer style, uh, immediately it's just like, what is this wonderful Call of Cthulhu scenario? This looks great. When are we getting an English translation for it, which uh, has not happened yet, but uh, that's great that Tristan took the initiative because, um, uh, as you can tell by Keith's accent and also mine, if I try to do Spanish, we're not we're not that fluent. Uh, you know, no, I don't roll my R's. No. I, I, I don't profess to speak any Spanish. Right. Other than order beers and probably get my face slapped in a bar. Right. That's about it. I mean, when we're done with this episode, we're going to go enjoy a few tacos and quesadillas. Uh, so, uh, but uh, <laughs> but so, but what else did you play though? Because that that's that sounds interesting, and and you were in good hands with Tristan. Tristan, I'm sure he's oh yeah, he's absolutely. multilingual and and wonderful about that. But uh, but you, there was another game you played, right? Uh, Cthulhu Dark. Okay, uh, written by Graham. Uh, oh, that's right. Walmsy, mm-hmm. I'm butchering that because I don't have it in front of me, but um, it's it had been out in kind of like an Ashcan version for years, and now it's out. It's been out for a while now in official form. Yeah, I, I didn't realize how simple the mechanics were, mm-hmm. and uh, Ant ran a great game, super interesting story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were working in a local recreation, like an RV park, right uh, in Wales, sent uh, like I think Southeast Wales. 
and this mystery kind of evolved that we got sucked into and we we kind of ran out of time because the scenario or the the sessions have like three to three and a half hour windows yeah which is a little odd for gaming sessions which <laughs> typically run four right uh, in most conventions whether online or in in real space but we got to a satisfying conclusion that left all the players happy with the way the game ended mm-hmm. and wanting more, wanting to play the game again, whether it's another scenario or kind of what, what happened with our characters. We kind of did a little epilogue scene where they ended up in life, you know, a year or two down the road, but it left us on like a super cliffhanger and it was fantastic. Is there is there a particular mechanic that you could highlight or reference that, that makes it different than like your your standard Call of Cthulhu by Chaosium game? Uh, sort of. So yeah. I don't have a full grasping of the rules, but it's super yeah. simple. It uses 3D6. So mm-hmm. um, you are, anytime you need to make a roll, you're rolling a D6. Anytime you are invoking your occupation, you don't have a, you don't even have a character sheet in the game, which is great. Yeah. Um, you just, so my character was, I declared my character was a naturalist. That's what brought him to this place. He mm-hmm. was going to be the kind of the nature guide and all of that stuff. So anytime that my naturalist skill occupation right. could could be a factor it could come into play i got to roll 2d6 okay and you take the higher of the two dice uh oh. you have a third die which is the um uh, basically the i think they called it insight die okay insight die and it's basically the equivalent of like sanity right mm-hmm. um so as if you roll sixes on your regular dice you're you have to make an insight check and if you roll Higher than your current die roll, Mm -hmm. it goes up by one. Okay. If uh, and then if you ever get to six, you're done. Your character's out of play. They've gone like, yeah, you know, bananas. And and that's kind of the synopsis of it. I know there's more to it, and I'm not fluid and fluent in the mechanics, but it was super simple. Anthony did a great job explaining it to us, and it was super easy to to just go with it. That's. That's great because I know well we know. We know there's a lot of people who enjoy playing within the Call of Cthulhu type setting, but not a lot of people like, you know, the the basic role playing mechanics. Uh, you know, but uh right. it's nice to have a a simpler alternative for those who, you know, just don't have the capacity to grasp a simple, you know, game like, you know, basic role playing. But but I'm not here to talk down to people. Um <laughs> <laughs> Did you do anything at Owlbear? I did not. No, I was I was busy this weekend. I I, I have been um, uh, work has picked up for me, and and also we had some some family stuff to to attend to, so I did not get a chance to do that this weekend. But I also had uh, commitment to uh, a couple games that uh, I've been playing in, and um, so I'll t- I'll touch on that. So continuing on for those I know I've referenced this in in other episodes but uh, still continue on with the Hyperborea campaign that I'm playing that's run by uh, Andy Markham and, and a and a load of fantastic and, and wonderful guys we are well over year three uh, within wow. this game and we are we are playing one of the newer uh, adventure modules that uh, that came out after the new edition of Hyperborea came out. And what what can I say? It's it's still the fact that the same group of people have been playing in the same game for over three years is a testament to them being wonderful guys, but also Andy being a you know a top notch fantastic game master. There's there's no right. I mean, you know, pending any sort of you know health issue, I have no intention of of, of leaving that game. So I've been been enjoying that. And then I I did the uh, third session of a game that. Uh, I join in from uh, that's being run by uh, Patrick Mullen, uh, one of our patrons. Uh, I'm joining in on his uh, GURPS campaign, 
Uh, that, How's that going? That's running. It's good. Um, I, I the, the the world that that Pat has made is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's it's without going into too much detail. It, it's I would describe it as kind of like a, an age of sale renaissance fantasy type setting. Uh, magic has left the world, but it's slowly returning. But but there's still the aesthetics of the realized analogs of what of the okay. countries that existed during that during that time and um the and i'm enjoying it i mean the 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 gurps i'm new to gurps uh i've you know i've read the the the, the books but i've never really played it and of course people who know the hobby know gurps is kind of one of those where people either love it or they hate it and i true story but i kind of feel like that maybe it it I'm in the mechanic itself is easy. Uh, character creation, I think, is where a lot of people might <laughs> fall to the wayside because it it requires a certain amount of attention and dedication. But once you get through that, it's like any other role playing game. You you just you know you have your character sheet, you you know, and you um, essentially utilize the skills that uh, that you've that you've accrued in character creation within the okay. world but but it's only the third session and and what's interesting is is we're playing two characters too because there's one character that's on one side of this this new world and another character in another location so you're switching back and forth so uh but so far it's been going good i i've really been enjoying it and looking looking forward to continuing on with that and then aside from that there's something that both of us have been continu- continuing on with game wise you know with your small amount of availability but you've been able to uh continue on with our game of Pendragon uh which we've okay. which we've been playing yeah i stand corrected yeah. that was the other game i've been playing yeah. this over the last month right so. but uh but <clears throat> but um i'm i'm running the, the game you're you're one of the the characters within it and uh, I, I think we're having a good time with it. We are still, I think we're kind of playing it more in um, uh, tutorial mode, so to speak, because we're still trying to come to grasp with some of the rules, uh, wouldn't right. you say? Yeah. yeah, I I mean, I've, for the most part, I've, I, I, I have a good firm grasp mm-hmm. of the rules for the most part. Yeah. And I think you're, you're about there too. Yeah. But I think narratively speaking like when we get into we go from narrative and transition into combat yeah it it's so much the combat in pendragon is so different than your typical role playing game right that for all of us who are so that are playing that are so used to a a fantasy game cuz let's face it pendragon is fantasy yeah you know having a certain type of flow right Right. to the combat Mm -hmm. and to the way we operate it Mm -hmm. and think through things that you literally have to turn off your brain yes and reset it and then turn it back on after the reset and then go into it Mm -hmm. like movement unless you're charging in a battle movement doesn't happen until the end of the combat round yeah and people can't grab you know some of the players have a hard time and it's not just our group, it's other groups too, because right. I see it on you know the socials, right? It's a concept that's hard for people to grasp that, well, why can't I move and attack? Well, that's you have to position yourself. You know, six seconds is, you know, in terms of all fantasy games, right? Three to six seconds is is not a long time, but it is a long time when it, you know, the adrenaline's pumping and all of that. Right. But there are things happening and swirling around you and things have to happen in phases mm-hmm. in an orderly way. You know, the, that's how the game functions. And yeah, 
we're we're all coming to grips with it. We are, we are, and and it, I mean, it's we're not really um, losing the aesthetic. Uh, no, I mean the game's no, not, not at all. The game's not grinding to a halt, but it's still kind of it's it's a learning process because, like you said, it, it's you want to do it this way, but then you're like, well, the you need to be aware of the rules more so than you would in a different game, and that's that's nothing against Pendragon. That's just how it is, and you have to right. again, as you mentioned. <laughs> turn your brain off and relearn a couple things in order to play out the game as it's, um, as it's suggested. And so, right. but, but outside of that, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. Uh, the, the big part of it is, is I know you're well-versed in, uh, in Pendragon and likewise the, the history surrounding that, but it's also great having uh, a lot of, um, you know, people from the UK uh, who are aware of it. And they, they've been the ones that have been adding a lot of flavor to the game uh, and, oh, yeah. and filling in some of the gaps that uh, that I'm not aware of within both uh, locally and also just within the uh, the Arthurian mythos in regards to Pendragon, but uh, but also you know I'm from the U.S. I, I'm not going to I could sit down and read the many 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 books on the Arthurian legends to fill yeah. it in, but this is this is still a, a starter set. You know, it's not designed to do that. So there's a couple things where you're like. I need something here to make this a little bit more interesting. And you right. and Roy and Roz and Pookie are, have all been filling that in as players, which has been fantastic. Roy's been doing the lion's share that yeah. Roy and Neve yes. have picked up the lion's share of, because they're in the UK. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Pookie is too, but those two have really added that color yeah. where I'm well-versed with the game, game. itself they they are both very well versed in the local lore mm-hmm. and uh where where you and I are not because yeah. we're not you know we live in the US right. and always have so but i, I they had contacts that we can't which is fantastic right. which just makes the game that much better for us right. but, for all of us but it, but it's doing the job as every good starter set should it it makes me look forward to and want to get the core rule set as soon as it as soon as it comes out so oh yeah absolutely mission accomplished so, so that aside, um, let's see here. Anything else? Have you gotten anything new in the mail? What have you gotten? Let's see. I know you've gotten some stuff this month. I've gotten a few things. Uh, I've, I've, You're a book whore. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't done a very many unboxings because I've been kind of doing some uh, some little one-on-one interviews on the channel, which has been fun. But uh, I do have boxes that have been stacking up. Uh, but uh, as of recently, I, I did receive my uh, Brancolonia uh, Kickstarter fulfillment, which is a um, another addition uh, to the Brancolonia game. And for those who aren't aware what Brancolonia is, it is what they call a um, a spaghetti fantasy. Uh, whereas you're you're playing a group of knaves set within a fantasy Renaissance Italy. Uh, it is for fifth edition, but uh, it is it provides so much flavor and and uh, modifications to the to the fifth edition rule set. It's like its own game. Um, if, yeah, if, that's why I, I I love its tone and its theme. I have yet to play it, right? But it would it would bring me back to playing fifth edition D anD D in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, and it's it's a mixture of this this wonderful world, but also a good sense of humor because this campaign uh, that's designed for Brancaloni is called the Empire Wax Back. So there's there's a lot of these tongue in cheek Star Wars reference jokes that are in there, and it's so wonderful to discover these little Easter eggs and jokes as you're you're going through the book, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a fantastic setting. And it's, it's one of those where if we get a moment, like when we're done with Pendragon or something, would like to at least 
do a one shot of it to experience it at the table because I haven't gotten to the, kind of to the table yet. No, that's fair. Um, I got a more important question yes. for you though regarding things you've gotten. Yep. Did so like me? Did you back the the DCC one hundred the the music of the spheres is chaos? I did, but I haven't I haven't opened it yet. I'm saving that oh. for an unboxing video. But I take it you have. Okay. I, I have. Yeah. It's bananas. Okay. Now it's not as big as like the the Dying Earth Kickstarter yeah. or some of the other ones they've done where you get like two box sets and all of that mm-hmm. and supplemental packs. But the box set is really nice and the scenario itself, I've got it right here in front of me, is it's just over a hundred pages and it is it is gorgeous. I mean it it just fits the bill for you know, right in line with the other stuff for DCC. It's beautiful. The map or the board, yeah. it is a chunky fourfold or multifold in <laughs> four quadrant. Right. Uh you have to assemble it yourself, rotating circles, dungeon. I mean, it's crazy. And then the, you get the accessories pack, which is a blank version of that map. Oh shit. That dry erase so you can make your own map and assemble it and then make, you know, use it and it's got some other stuff in it. I think they're gazetteer and I haven't even opened that. Mm-hmm. And you get a f- character folio. I mean it, it's a nice package, and I think it was only like, what, like 65 bucks or whatever? It wasn't a lot, which was a bit sh- shocking. I, I don't recall what I backed it at. But, uh, I, think we, I think when we backed it, I think it was the cost of the retail of the box set, which is dollars mm-hmm. $65. Because we were Kickstarter backers, you know, the... The create your own game board was an you know was a stretch goal that was added in, and mm-hmm. the character folios were added in, and the gazetteer and all this other stuff was added in. So those are all like perks that are tossed in. But that that's that accessories pack is like a twenty dollar pack, mm-hmm. and then the folios pack is like a ten dollar pack or whatever. So I I know it's been arriving. It, it, it arrived to quite a few people in the UK first before it hit us. It's like it's making its way from the UK over you know the East Coast and hitting the West Coast. Those dirty bastards. And but but as you said, and from the sound of it, the, the probably the reason why we haven't heard a lot of news about it is it's a lot to digest. Uh, it's going to take some people yeah. some time to get through it to kind of. You know, people who do normal reviews uh, will take a bit of yeah. time to get get through it all. But uh, it sounds I've got to get through some other books before I get to it. But it it's working its way to the top of my pile, even though my backlog is crazy right now. <laughs> what else have you gotten? Anything anything cool? Um, I, I what I did recently receive was something that I forgot that I backed, but it was a pleasant surprise. Was a uh, another addition to a James Holloway. Uh, he does mm-hmm. the Monster Man podcast. He was on sure on, on us during a. Um, uh, our little roundtable session uh, with uh, with Andy and Pookie, I believe. But um, but yeah, he he puts out these 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 wonderful little zines. Uh, he's done the pamphlet of pantheons, which allows you to create your own pantheon within your game. He's done some wonderful adventures, uh, the Magonia Mine Murders, and then okay. then he recently came out a guide to grunts, uh, which is another zine uh, in the vein of the pamphlet of pantheons, which it's in- inspiration for creating fantasy armor. Or fantasy armies and soldiers, so it's a it's a little zine, but it just it's just these tables and information, and it's it's just enough like the Pantheon's one that gives you enough to create these realized uh, armies and grunts, so to speak, without having to waste a bunch of time going into the details of it. Because I mean, let's be honest, if you're making some of these things, you know they're going to die. So you don't need right. you don't need to waste a lot of time w- uh, with with too many details, but it's enough to give give a lot of flavor to it. 
And uh, it's it's definitely uh, James does a, a great job on it, especially with his his background. Uh, and um, it, I'm looking forward to reading it. it. It just it just arrived the other day. It it was one of nice. those where um, I think it started hitting people earlier, and I forgot about it, and then it kind of rang a bell in me. And in typical fashion, I was about ready to go. Where's mine? But then before I do, I've got to go check the backer kit because I'm notorious for, you know, when you get the wonderful email saying, hey, it's time to reply to your backer kit to either pay for shipping or whatever the case may be. Right. I forget. And then then I'm the asshole who starts contacting them. I haven't I haven't received mine yet. And then I get the the nice little email going, well, Scott, you you haven't you haven't done anything. You haven't put your address in. You haven't paid for shipping. Dumbass. And like, oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, but no, that's. That's it. There, there might have been a few tidbits, or whatever that arrived that I forgot about, but but those those were the main ones that that arrived recently. Nice. Anything else on your end? Um, aside from the DCC, I got two other books in mm-hmm. uh, this past week that I'm kind of interested in. And re- one I'm really excited about. One was kind of an interest. I I'm still partake participating occasionally in the role, uh, RPG Geek RPG Chains of Generosity, yep. the Pay It Forward community there. Mm-hmm. And as part of that, I got two books in the mail that came and finally arrived after like three weeks or some <laughs> shit like that. Um, but they finally made it here. And the first one was uh, Brinkwood, The Blood of Tyrants. And mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it, but it's a beautiful little digest-sized mm-hmm. hardcover with semi-gloss pages, black and white interior. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and all I knew was it's Forged in the Dark, and it's got vampires. So you're right. trying to fight vampires that are oppressing the world. Okay. So, eh, you know, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea what it <laughs> what it entails, but um, the, the gentleman, um, I say gentleman, the person, because I don't know for sure, mm-hmm. uh, that was offering um, a list of uh, possible choices to the whoever got selected. I happened to get selected. I picked that. Okay. And uh, Moonlight on Roseville Beach ah, yes. by R. Rook Studios. So I've read and reviewed the Quick Start, mm-hmm. which I found to be wonderful. Yeah. And I have the PDF of the full book. Now I have the full book in physical print, any you know, in physical form. Any winner, right? Yes. Yes. So my only gripe uh, looking at the physical book thus far, I've read like two thirds of it um, in PDF. Right. And you can't tell in a PDF mm-hmm. that the print is absolutely fucking tiny. <laughs> There's there's a lot of white space, um, and I think the print could have been enlarged ah. across the board, even if it made it. Now, Brinkwood is a little bit um, bigger. Yes, it's it's like the size of Liminal, right? Right. We all know Liminal from Paul Michener. Mm-hmm. Now, listeners can't see this, but Scott can. There's there's moonlight. Oh my! So yes, it, it is much smaller. It is not. This is not digest size. No. This is smaller. This is like the the pulps. Mm-hmm. And I think it's thematic for this reason, because um, there's a lot of pulpy art in it. I think it's the size of like dime store pulps right. from the 30s and 40s. And while I think thematically it's great and the art is fantastic, right? The font size could have been enlarged and pages, you know, like to, this could have been extended and to compensate you know, white, for the aesthetic, to compensate yeah. and you know eat up some of that white space and only have to use a smaller font size. On, on lesser number of pages, yeah, and in fewer instances. I know they're going to they're going through a Kickstarter right now, or just did to do a reprint, okay, or maybe it's Indiegogo or Backer Kit or whatever the hell they're doing, mm-hmm. but um, to do a reprint in offset printing, maybe hardcover. 
So I wish them all the success. Yeah. I think um, the game is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. If if you're good with the theme. <laughs> right. Um, some, some players will, some won't. But for those that don't know, I'm going to just read you what the cover says. Okay. It says a game... It says a queer game of disco and cosmic horror, Moonlight on Roseville Beach. It's hard to enjoy your gaycation when there's a mystery to solve. <laughs> I mean, um, that is how it is billed on the cover, just sure. like a dime store pulp. I, I mean, again, fine with that. I mean, I know you are, I, I am, know too. I am and, and, and there's most people that we know are, but yeah, some people will take whatever with it, but uh, right. but we don't we don't bother, you know, with with. I think with everybody them. should read at least a quick start. Yeah, I think. It has so much to offer in like story forward thinking and narrative fiction mm. that it is it is just wonderful. I mean, well, that's that's a testament to certain games, you know, uh, just because you're not OK with the content, whatever it may be, doesn't mean that you can't get something from it, uh, whether right. whether it be learning something new about the game structure, the rules uh, maybe something within the setting or something, but you know, hey, yep. you know, don't 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 lock yourself away just because the the content of something makes you feel whatever. I, again, I'm not I don't want right. I'm not here to preach or point fingers, but uh, but there there's whatever the game may be, there's always something you can get from it. Um, Correct uh, for the for the most part. I know there's probably going to be a couple people going, but what about this particular game? We all know that game that that particular game is shit. There's nothing to gain from it, so there's no point in bringing that up. I'm talking about everything else in general. So, but, correct. But uh, so, but other than those two and the DCC 100, that's all I've gotten over the last month. Yeah, ish. I haven't gotten a lot. So, yeah. well, it sounds like we've we've kind of gotten up to speed. That we you know we've yeah. kind of you know, told everyone what we've been up to, kind of what you know life gets in the way as it does, and it will continue to do so. But it, it's not yeah. stopping us. But uh, but we have other things that we, we want to get to. We, we've got this wonderful interview with uh, Charlie Menzies. Um, again, I hope... Let's I, get on to that. Let's, let's, let's get Charlie in here and let's get that interview front and center for listeners. Yep. Let's do it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, listeners, welcome to our main segment for tonight's episode. Uh, with us in the studio is Charlie. M- okay, Charlie, I'm going to butcher this. <laughs> Menzies. Did I get it? Menzies. Menzies. Menzies, yeah. yes. Uh, so um, I think actually we, we might discuss this last time. So it's um, Menzies is the anglicized way of pronouncing it. Menges is the Scottish way of pronouncing it. And you can already hear my accent coming on the Scottish way of doing it. <laughs> but but yeah, but it's it's honestly Men- Menzies. Menzies is totally fine. Menzies, okay. Well, I apologize, but welcome no back to Titter Pigs. We're glad to have you back. For those yes. that um, may remember, Charlie was with us. Oh, God, a 
bazillion episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, he and his brother are mm-hmm. the creators of the Shiver role-playing game and its uh, subsequent uh, additional products in that product line. So again, welcome back. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, no, very excited to be here. Oh, um, first off, though, before we get into anything is I just want to congratulate you and, and everyone at Parable Games that you're any nomination uh, for the for the Shiver cover. Um, know that, um, you know, granted, you un- unfortunately did not win the, the uh, gold or the silver, but we did vote for you. We did, um, yes. And, yes. and as, and as they say, it's not necessarily the, you know, the winners, it's, it's more being nominated that matters the most. But I do, I do tell those people who say that it's like, well, you've never hold a nice heavy metal around your neck. So shut up. Uh, yeah. I'm going to win next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a real honor to be nominated because for the gox, it was for, um, uh, Shiver Gothic, the Secret yes. Fire Home one. Cause it was for the cover and for the setting. So we got nominated for two and we were, so shocked um, and over the moon so, so yes but next year next year yeah. we'll, we'll we'll keep throwing stuff uh, towards the ennies but, but yes lovely yeah. to be nominated oh excellent so um and also as i mentioned just a minute ago you are one of well i would say more two or more but anyways you are one of the those who are part of parable games uh you know the uh the company that publishes shiver and another game that uh, is going to be coming up soon. So, uh, Charlie, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about Parable Games? And after that, we'd like to hear uh, what this Don't Play This Game is all about. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, so Parable Games. So me and my brother Barney um, are the mm-hmm. directors of Parable Games. Um, in terms of kind of how it was founded, um we found it together through the process of making Shiver. So the kind of like our first, like kind of big game um, together. And that was very much, I got into RPGs at university and I was in uh, kind of like do- doing work in London and basically homebrewed a game to like keep all my screenwriter friends together and play horror movies on the tabletop. And then when Barney saw my notebook one Christmas said, when are we going to make it? Let's let's give it a whirl. And then from there, through developing the game and then like play testing and doing more stuff in it, becoming more and more like a real business, eventually we kind of formulated that into Parable Games, realizing it was something that we both wanted to do long term and kind of keep publishing games. So yeah, so that's how Parable was kind of formed. And we are very much um sticking with that spooky horror kind of theme, I think, with our games. Uh, for now, as it's very much our, our next a new game uh, that's coming up for Don't Play This Game, very much falls into that category. So give us the elevator pitch. Give our listeners that pitch for, for the new game. Because um, I think it's intriguing and you have a Kickstarter that's launching, right? We do. So so um, in October 3rd, um, the Kickstarter for Don't Play This Game is going to launch. And you're triggering the um, the elevator pitch brains, bringing me back to my film day. So it's like very much you've got 60 <laughs> seconds, 60 seconds. You're in there with an exec right now. Go, go, go. Okay, so um, don't play this game, but obviously please do. Um, is a found footage solo horror RPG um, focusing on making your very own cursed artifact and playing a character that allows you to play your very own found footage movie. Um, so one of our kind of playtesters described it as playing Pokemon Go but you're hunting the Blair Witch um, is a very is, is if I had to deliver it in one line a, a one line pitch that would be it. Um, so the idea is is that if you'd ever received a chain email or a chain letter that was 
pass this on in seven days or something bad is going to happen to you. And I was reminiscing with friends about this from back in our school days. Um, and I had an idea of that. What if there was an entity, something evil that basically survived and fed off of playing a game where it passed on like a chain letter. So in don't play this game, it, um, you are playing a character that is being harassed by this evil entity that's making you play this game and by playing it it's making you record and write things down and that can be writing it can be taking photos recording audio and at the end of it your character can live your character can die but ultimately your record will always be passed on like that chain email like that chain letter in this case a chain game where i could say here you go i have played this game uh scott and keith you are now cursed and then you could take that call rule book and then create your own character your own story your own sequel and create a spider web of spooky stories so the idea is, is that it's a kind of cursed solo rpg that through solo play is encouraging encouraging multiplayer collaboration and creativity to create a spooky network of stories through solo gameplay very interesting i mean that's i that's that's a nice twist on solo gaming uh because as keith and i were talking a bit earlier there is a bit of a rage surrounding solo games now it seems like uh, uh a lot of there's a lot of focus within the indie world but even some of the bigger names are coming out with solo versions to play their rpgs i mean um uh, the star trek is widely popular right now with their current offering of uh you know playing the star trek rpg solo and mm -hmm. so you know i this but this this is different as, as you said so what type of mechanics does it use? Does it use the mechanics that with the people who are familiar with Shiver uh, would be would be utilizing, or does it use a different form when playing the game? Um, com completely different from Shiver. Okay. So the kind of symbolic dice are gone here, um, and it has kind of elements of a roll and write. So you're kind of like looking at prompts, or in our case, we call them events, mm -hmm. and then at the end, you're prompted to roll or do something that will determine what event you're going to next. Um, However, like kind of where we start to dive. So in that case, like kind of creating this journal, this record, like you do with a lot of solo RPGs and tracking your character on a separate character sheet that we call an anchor um, is definitely like a big similarity uh, with other solo RPGs. But from there, we start to kind of divert. So like the way we do events is very different. So um, rather than kind of having a singular prompt that you're reading and reacting to writing and, and making something and moving on, um, I really wanted to replicate the idea of um, playing escalating tension and like a horror scene or a horror event that you see kind of in these movies that we're trying to replicate. So our events are actually split into three individual prompts that escalate and interact with one another. So you kind of have quite a, if you're playing for an event, it's quite a meaty experience. You're kind of reacting to three different things. Another point, like when you're reacting to these events as well, when you're making a record where we um kind of diverge is that um for a lot of solo rpgs journaling and writing is kind of the foundation block um of how you play the games with some rolling and obviously tracking your character as well with us in terms of what we're kind of wanting the player to create your record um kind of goes beyond a journal because sometimes the book will encourage you to put the game down um go outside find an abandoned building take a photo of it paste that in your record 
um, record an audio log of the weird noise that's keeping you up at night outside. You're seeing a face in the window every night that's keeping you awake. Draw it down on a scrap bit of paper, paper and paste that in. So rather than kind of like this more neat and orderly journal that you would normally get from a lot of solo games, you kind of get this bulging scrapbook of terror, which you can then pass on to somebody um, and, and, and build on that. Um, so we're really encouraging this kind of multimedia approach in terms of encouraging people to be creative um and really kind of um we make make suggestions and obviously what you have available um to you to kind of create stuff is fully up to you if we say take a photo you don't have to take a photo you can go and draw it you can and we talk about that um in the book a bit more but from um our burgeoning discord community we're already seeing this with the demo so we have someone who has um basically been playing through the kind of free demo that we've put out there um and they are they've done entirely audio logs so they've done like a like a little oh, wow. audio drama and then doing a slideshow of photos that they've taken and and then uploading it unlisted to youtube um and releasing that into the community for people to listen to okay. in an episodic format um we've got people drawing their entity someone's resurrected a blog website which is all kind of black um black background green text um like very old like teletext style like kind of blog um, that kind of feels like you've stumbled across something from like, you know, kind of the really early dawn of the internet, like reading something that you, you really shouldn't be. Oh, it's it's fascinating seeing, itself. yeah, it's fascinating seeing all this come out of the community with literally a free demo that has 10 events in it that you play in a linear fashion. Um, and it's already starting to manifest into the kind of things that I was really hoping to see. So that's very, very exciting. <laughs> so I've got a question. So, uh, kind of piggybacking off of this what what you're finding happening with uh just with the demo game in your discord community mm -hmm. right the the blog with the old green screen text and audio clips are you guys um through your website because i believe the game itself has its own like dot me or dot com website right mm -hmm. are you guys going to allow players to submit like, hey, here's my blog of my journal, or here's the audio files that I've arranged or uh, put together in a um, Spotify playlist or whatever, and make those, uh, if players wanted to make things like that available, uh, yeah, could they do it through others. you guys? Yeah, so at the minute, it's something we're housing on the Discord, but it is definitely something that we've been discussing kind of in-house as a company. Okay. Because for me, it's, it's obviously, it's... Um, Creating an infrastructure like that where someone can kind of sign in and have an account and share is quite a big infrastructure to kind of build for a company that's as small as ours. But it's something I really, really want to do. So it's very much going to be on the upper end of our um, stretch goals. Um, I've, we've got a position where we planned where we think we're kind of crunching the numbers and having a think about it of if we reach a certain funding goal, that's something I would like to do is basically create a digital network that goes beyond Discord because Discord, I think, works really great and it, and it has a lot of community tools. But I know exactly what you mean of where you can have an account page where you're uploading things and then like I think I, I've been calling them internally in my head tethers. So like if someone is then saying they've read your thing and they're saying, I'm going to make something inspired from this. Right. Then that creates a tether. So, so that's what I want to try and figure out how we can do is almost that, that conspiracy board of red right. string of interconnected stories of how can we do that digitally? Because then I could upload a record say, and then come back to it a year later and see there are 10 tethers, maybe 
there's a tether that goes five in a chain. Maybe there's one that goes 10, 12, 20, 30 in a chain. Um, and people have taken the one piece of narrative that I've created through my solo experience and create an entire world and entire narrative kind of together um, and, and kind of revisiting that. So I'm very interested in seeing that. And we're seeing that in the Discord, but I know exactly what you mean in terms of providing a ecosystem for that to happen more clearly um okay. is something we've definitely been talking about it's just um whether that will be kind of in the remit of the funding goal for stooks right. is quite a a big undertaking but one that we're definitely very sure. interested in doing if the community wants us to i'm sure they will but i mean very much an interactive site it's not unlike something like how scp you know tended to branch yes. out and become something become something more than what it is and and I, and I can already see like, you know, a landing page, not unlike, you know, the the really cheesy conspiracy or horror websites you see in the yeah, movies yeah. or on a show. You know, you're like, they didn't make that. That looks ridiculous. But it's always, you know, the truth is out there and yeah. uh, barely poorly produced. But yeah, a, a wonderful repository because that, that will give it, you know, more momentum in its own life in, in the long term. So yeah, I, I hope, you know, it does eventually get to that because that that will make it that will make it bigger than 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 what it you know where it starts from okay so i've i, I want to ask just because i'm sure listeners would be would be curious so with journaling games solo games you know on the rise their popularity is increasing was was kind of on the rise before the pandemic most definitely through the pandemic and it, and you know and it meteor its meteoric rise hasn't stopped with your game like, first off, what was the nexus of the game? How did it come to be? So I think it's kind of after kind of going through three. So so we're kind of three releases deep now um, into Shiver. So double features being finished up now will release early next year. Okay. Um, is, is, is the plan um, or kind of early second quarter of next year. Um, In this kind of like interim kind of phase, like I've been kind of thinking a lot about our next project um and we'd launched a patreon for shiver where i've been experimenting on the top tier making small press content like just doing horror content like trying new i design ideas and things i'm really kind of branching out and one of the things is like during the pandemic and kind of afterwards like i've been playing um solo games and playing around with them and me and uh, my brother also rediscovered um a load of uh, fighting fantasy books um that were a big part of our childhood um and there's been some great um uh re-releases of them i had one on here which is like the house of hell one they re-released which is like one of the few horror ones that they did so i've got that to play through again um and yeah and, and it was i was very much kind of playing through a lot of these solo games and a thought came to me um alongside this this kind of like thinking about chain letters and chain emails which i wanted to do something with but i wasn't sure but when i was playing the solo games i'm very much enjoying them however like i noticed like the general element of it is like by your like your solo star trek and your adventure games like i think there there's definitely like these conversions for kind of larger uh, tabletop rpgs kind of happening now mm -hmm. but before that there is an element of coziness um i would say to most kind of solo rpgs like there's there's something quite comforting um and quite wholesome um at, at the core um i think of, of a lot of the solo games that are out there like a bit a, a big chunk of the market i would say and and they were and they were really lovely and they really bring me a lot of joy but i couldn't help with my terrible horror <laughs> screenwriter's brain thinking i want to play a solo 
RPG that scares me shitless. That's what mm-hmm. I wanted. And I couldn't find it. I wasn't finding something that was like sitting down and reading a horror book like late at night that's got you gripped but is way too scary and you know you're not going to sleep or stumbling down like a youtube rabbit hole where you start finding you know you see these weird clips and they chain off one another and it was kind of like that is a solo experience in itself it's kind of like these interconnected rabbit holes that we find in kind of media and stuff that we like and that really and that combined with thinking about the chain letter and the chain email idea really got me thinking about found footage horror um in terms of like a subgenre that we've not really explored through shiver um it's relatively i hadn't seen like many um like games like kind of touch upon it um kind of yeah and it's one that i grew up with that i really love um mm-hmm. and actually has quite typically kind of when you think about them structurally has a very singular um kind of solo aesthetic in the sense that generally you're sticking with one perspective one camera generally not always the case but for the entire film um and sometimes the, the, these can really be the cameraman or, or or woman or person is the character like that you're you're engaging with there you're kind of empathic right. um into into the narrative so i was thinking to myself what if you made a found footage solo game where you're the character you're that person behind the camera but in this case it doesn't have to be a camera it can be pen and paper it can be photos it can be video it can be audio um but really kind of puts you in that sole creative um perspective of kind of sharing what's happening to you um and it's also been inspired by various other like youtube things like i I grew up on like the whole marble hornets craze that happened with um around the whole slender man stuff as well as like creepy pastors which all have that singular narrative voice um where it is always happening to pretty much one person um and it's told from that first person thing so i started noticing this pattern kind of everywhere and i was like this feels perfect for solo um because i think it's something that may be quite tricky like um to do with more players i think in terms of kind of creeping them out um you know if if we were to do it from the shiver approach i think that actually might be quite tricky to establish the mood the setting and tone compared to kind of what a solo game um can be uh can be possible with right um i I think with, with kind of putting the control in the player's hands of how spooked out can they make themselves challenging them a little bit almost to scare themselves yeah, yeah that makes sense. That's that's the big difference between the Blair Witch Project and the Blair Witch Project Two. Um, you know where yeah. you know so yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I I've got a question regarding the game itself. So as, yeah. as you're describing this, and and a lot of these things that, uh, especially in a a more film sense, there's you know you you brought it up earlier. There's a sense of urgency to this. I mean, usually a clock is ticking in order for either to avoid or stop or confront whatever this thing is that uh, that is you know intruding in your life does that play in the game uh, i mean it's you know if if someone's sitting down to do this journal is part of the game mechanics something like you you have 3 or 4 days to you know complete this and move it on to something else or something bad might happen so is there some sort of you know, ticking clock uh, that's that's going to urge them to play through this uh, within a certain amount of time because we're all gamers. You know, some especially with solo games, you know, a lot of times you're gonna, you know, you're gonna uh, ear earmark uh, the fighting fantasy book and get back to it a week later or something like that. Whereas or a month. here, or a month, yeah. 
you know, whereas here, you know, you don't really want to, I would imagine you don't want to let them sit. You want them to live in the moment. So we, we very much gone with, um, and and this is kind of in the demo as well of the, if you see an event appear in the book, um, you have seven days to respond to it and do something classic going for the ring very classic i think with it of giving kind of a, a reference point i think that everyone understands that level of urgency of that but the kind of twist that we put on it is is that if you don't kind of respond to it in seven days it the entity doesn't kill you but it basically starts its threat is slightly different it's like if you don't play with me i'll erode everything in your life around you so so in the way that we've actually written the rules in the demo and it will be in the kind of main book as well it's a um it's a first person address so we explain the rules from the perspective of a character who may or may not have survived this curse this entity i love i love the way the demos presented i love it thank you (laughs) the first opening pages i I think is fantastic and it's no shit it's creepy as fuck yeah (laughs) it's good yeah no thanks it it was like one of those things it was a real big challenge like um and it was barney's idea um this one so full, full credit to him it was his idea and then i had to implement it which was terrifying um of that um and originally like i wrote the demo as a kind of vertical slice to kind of show people what the game was and it was very much explaining the rules in that neutral tone of voice so there can be no confusion and making sure everything's kind of clear however when we were kind of going back it was like it just wasn't hitting quite right and we kind of realized that once you get past the safety tools which we move to the front of the demo we want people to be in they're in the world of the game from that point and immersion shouldn't be broken so the the narrative voice that um is kind of at the forefront of the game is this person who has potentially survived and is trying to help you you think um and giving you hints and tips and telling you how to play the game so you don't make the same mistakes that they did because they talk about not um playing the game in seven days and all of a sudden their dog dies um like like you know like like things start to go wrong um for them so that's the kind of ticking clock um that's in there and then you get the secondary narrator as well (laughs) um which is the entity which likes to interrupt in the book and occasionally put its oar in um as well nice the the juxtaposition of the two voices was was so fun to read as three ways as a gamer as a reviewer and as an editor it was just fun to to, to read and, and experience that juxtaposition of the narrator's voice then the entity's voice coming through and saying don't ignore me <laughs> if you don't do this in 7 days something bad's going to happen it was it was nice it was a very tonally it was it was it was a change of pace that i really liked and i was i was quite impressed for for a demo i mean it was it was really cool Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it's um, it's kind of like getting that, sending that tone and setting that pace has been something that's been very important with this. It's kind of a project. I mean, with the demo, it works very differently um, compared to the main book in terms of pace because it's very much designs that ten event to give you the feeling of like what a random experience through the main book could be. Um, basically, it's like that could be like your full run, um, as it were, but. With the book, obviously, there'll be more events, there'll be more variety. There's a rolling element at the end of the events that you don't get in the demo where you don't know exactly where you're going to be going. So there is an element of randomness that means 
each experience in battle against the entity isn't going to be the same Like you can't really have the same experience twice mm-hmm. um so it has a huge amount of kind of replay value but it's also um behind the scenes which the players kind of won't really be seeing is the way the events are designed and structured is very much leaning from my screenwriting background of one of the things I kind of find with solo RPGs that sometimes I've struggled with in the past is that pacing kind of goes all over the place because of like the randomness. Sometimes you land on things and you've kind of been like, I'm having a bit of a, a nice chill doldrums moment here, but not much is happening. Um, a lot of mm-hmm. McClan maintenance stuff is happening. Um, but with this, the way I have done it is um, by doing a lot of maths and changing dice sizes at the end of things behind the scenes, um, I've created what I call like structural bands of events so you basically have like your inciting incident you have your like rising tension and spookiness you have your first confrontations um you have your like gathering evidence and finding help um kind of section and then because of the mass like you may do like you know two or three in one section then one or two in another section but it is designed that you're never sitting in one band for too long so then when you actually start moving through you really feel the pace of being in your own found footage horror movie because you're never resting in a narrative beat for too long that isn't appropriate for where the story should be so so that's kind of what we've done behind the scenes that the player doesn't see but hopefully they will feel when they play through the whole game i do have a question though about this because you know something such as this could be very intense and i haven't you know i haven't seen what what you what you mentioned that uh, is currently existing on the discord but i would imagine they could run the gambit uh, and as involved as whoever's playing it wants to make it at the end of the day, uh, I, you know, the replayability of it, uh, especially with something that could be a personally intense situation um, and whatnot, or even someone uh, experiencing what other people have presented. Uh, a classic example being um, uh, Alice is Missing, uh, mm-hmm. which is a very focused, intense game. And yet when it was all said and done, even though there's multiple endings to that particular game that you could experience, I didn't want to experience it again. It, it was it was fine <laughs> the first time uh, because it was an intense experience. And so um, are there are there very various ways for them to gauge the experience, make it? I mean, you, you kind of touched on it a, a lot, but um uh you know as intense or as uh as they want to make it within the game i know you mentioned of course there's safety tools in in here because it's 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 a horror game and uh there i saw them they're presented in front of the uh quick start pdf safety tools aside it just what's what is it that's going to want to bring me back to play it again uh if if what i go through is you know either very intense or even satisfying because as a solo game there's always different paths, you know, even, even old books, even finding fantasy, you had a couple different endings, even though the plot structure was pretty solid, you were just kind of traveling through it, but what is it that's going to bring me or another player back to want to re-experience it again? So I think this is where the unique like community element really comes to the fore. Okay. So like, it's like watching a fan footage horror movie. I feel like from the play throughs I've done uh, testing, they are intense like they do leave you a bit breathless it reminds me the thing i was aiming for is like the first time i watched uh wreck for example um if, if you've kind of seen that and the ending dragged dragged off into the darkness credits roll and you kind of have that oh man that was a lot like and you get that with a lot of found footage movies and so that's kind of um intended that we kind of want to have that but i think what you get with passing that record on 
kind of writing that epilogue that like post credit scene as as it were of like where the record ends up and who it ends up with um i mean it, it, you can fully like if you're really into it and you want to kind of you know continue playing around in that world you can create another character and pass it on to a character internally and do it that way but okay. i think um one of the multiplayer elements um i think it, i think it is there for me in that sense of um i was very aware that i think people would want to take a breath um like kind of after doing a playthrough and one of the nice things is that taking a breath can be giving it to a friend and talking to them about it and seeing how their experience with the game is going and then maybe they pass it on to another friend another friend and at, by that point you kind of have a community kind of going and then once you've kind of had enough distance from the game maybe you've got to, it's got to the fourth person and that person asks hey would you be comfortable if i hand this curse back to you and then all of a sudden, you're then going back through four stories. You're having a nice time reading how your friends have built upon like what you started. Um, and then reacting, responding, and building in a different way based off of what everyone else has done. Um, and, and another way to kind of make it more refreshing as well is that we really encourage taking different approaches. So like if you did a very journal approach the first time around, um, maybe your character was a, you know, like a kind of failing horror writer maybe they were like a journalist of some kind newspaper newspaper column editor and um you took a very like notebook based approach like totally fine and that was kind of a really nice experience you enjoyed that next time you could actually challenge yourself to do a different approach entirely you could use just the voice memo app on your phone um for example um you could do entirely video you could do um do drawings and photos only and then limit yourself to how many words you write for each event so being like, I've got 30 words, but I can use an image as well in each one. So you can kind of set these parameters um, for kind of how you want to build your records. And they can be very reflective of your character. So maybe for the photo it's a photographer who stumbled across it. Um, and the thing, the thing that we really want to encourage with people is this, that there is, we know there is like a barrier to, uh, to creativity for a lot of people if they're scared that something that they make is going to be bad or look rough or look a little bit, you know, uneasy around the edges but we've found footage that's actively encouraged if anything that makes it better it makes it more believable it makes it more in the world of that if something's not perfect if it's smudged it's creased it's covered in grime and that analog fuzz mm -hmm. um it's going to fit in right here and you can still tell a fantastic story and create a very satisfying thing within your record right. um in any way that you kind of wish and use it to you know try try illustration try photography try acting like you know if you're if you're recording um video and audio that's another arm of this as well um so i think yeah that's for me that's it that's where the breath comes in is that interacting with other players um but then also changing your approaches um as well to reflect the characters that you want to play i i, I like that 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 like as you mentioned that gives an opportunity for those who may feel that they're not as creative or uh, you know, can't spell or have bad grammar. I'm pointing at myself, by the way. Um, so, but, but, but the, the, the aspect of it is, is it's in, in terms of the game, I'm doing this in the moment. I don't have time to correct myself. I don't have to have time to be grammatically correct. I am doing something that, you know, is, is affecting me now. And you don't, no one concerns themselves about that. Or if you're drawing something down, it's, you know, if it's just a stick figure, uh, you're trying to just, you know, take a document or something. Style. Yeah. I got, uh, you I know, got a bad, copyright. You bad can't photography. Use yeah. I, I can imagine though. And this, uh, but, but aside from that, I can imagine the hyper creative people 
are going to be producing some ridiculously uh, marvelous things within this because it's going to just, you know, it's going to open the floodgates to them. And I would imagine there's already, like you said, there's already people doing stuff on the Discord with just oh, the yeah. the quick start. And you're, you're, you're going to see uh, and witness some very high quality stuff, I would imagine, just, you know, people who are just opening the floodgates of their imagination. This this is fantastic. I, I'm I'm getting more excited as you're you're you know describing <laughs> this because you know we 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 are professional podcasters. We spent weeks researching this five minutes before we came on, and so it's. Uh... <laughs> so I want to ask: is there is there any way to take this game, which is written to be a solo game, right? If I wanted to grab Scott and grab you, Charlie, and and a couple other folks, is there a way to make this or turn this into a multiplayer game? Is that even possible? Yeah. So, so that is something that we're looking at within um, the kind of main game um, and and adding in and and working on. So, so very much like with um, Alice's Missing was actually a big inspiration for this. Funnily enough, of um, kind of having friends sharing a text chain. Um, mm -hmm. And basically the idea that I have for it is that I'll be addressing, obviously, the player as this cursed person who's trying to help them being like, if you bring friends in on this, be aware you are cursing them as well. But yeah. you can take them with them. They can contribute. So if you can't react to something at that moment, maybe they can and keep the entity fed. But once you're all in it, you're in it like you're all cursed you're all in it together so kind of really not breaking that theme but yes no because um because obviously like with the element of the safety tools um and stuff that we're talking about on top obviously you're going outside you're going to abandoned places you're going going maybe going places at night and we always always exercise caution and one of the best ways to kind of be safe with that is doing that in a group uh, which we're very very aware of so it's um it's kind of the the kind of core focus is definitely going to be responding to this as a solo player um, but we will be working on adding um, elements in there that allow you to broaden this to a multiplayer experience um, okay. and kind of talk about how like artifacts kind of created as a group work um, and can be included in a text chain, I think is like one of my favorites of this or an email back and forth um, between people um very much in, in that very much when i kind of looked over alice's missing that very much twigged something in my brain of actually that's a very good way to engage with the the quite digital nature um of this of, of that of, of all the different mediums that you can kind of interact with or you know sending voice notes to one another that's something i do with my friends on the regular um so that that is something that could be you know somebody reacts to event part one somebody reacts to event part two with a voice note and then somebody reacts to event part three with a voice note um so you could so in terms of that it's perfect for three players in that way of that each event you can look at tackling a different part contributing right. towards it and then you know you could even have a shared google doc like where you do or, this or it, discord it, a private discord anything. room discord, and, a channel yeah. a ch uh, like a chat room any, anything like that but yes no it okay. is something that we're going to be putting in um although the game game is very much like so so solo first um sure. with with the kind of multiplayer interaction kind of after, after you kind of have a completed record yeah. um but we want to kind of include that multiplayer element as well um although i think it'll be a very different multiplayer role playing experience compared to what people may be used to which would be quite interesting i can imagine and i assume yeah. this is definitely one of those games that don't be surprised if people take it and they're going to run with it you know so it, it, they I'm will so make it a multiplayer game uh without because <laughs> oh, i know i or not yeah <laughs> I, I just like the idea because you said you you kind of hit on it for me it was like 
using Discord, and then there's it. It has some, you know, some inspirations taken from Alice is Missing, which plays wonderfully through Discord messaging. You know, it has like a an app feature uh, module for Discord specifically to do that and facilitate it, and it worked out wonderfully. And I, I can see doing, you know, don't play this game, and then you know, using just Discord popping up pictures or or short little uh, text snippets, and somebody else glomming onto it and adding to it, and or or you know, taking the next piece of the of the event and and running with it. So yeah, I Finally. see it as a a thing. Finally, a reason for me to turn on alerts on Discord. I know, right? Because um. <laughs> <laughs> I silence every one of them. Um, okay, so where? So this is you said this is going to launch on the third of October. Is that correct? Third of October. Yeah, third, third of October, and we'll be running for uh, an entire month all through the spooky season. Um, we'll okay. be off on the window over on Kickstarter. Okay. So let's let's talk about the Kickstarter just briefly yeah. too. Um, so. So obviously the, the the book is going to be part of the Kickstarter, uh, yeah. but I see that you're mentioning a couple things as far as uh, possible stretch goals or something. And the, these are uh, inheritance boxes, uh, you know, certain items uh, that you might be presenting or are any of those that you can refer to now, or did you want to wait for the discord to drop? Absolutely. Yeah, no, um, I can talk about this now. So, um, so the inheritance boxes. So in terms of the structure of the things that will be available, um, everything will be available digitally, um, as we kind of usually do, including um, our own record book where you can kind of write and put stuff in, um, offering kind of dice as well as some extra kind of add-ons. When you hit the inheritance boxes, um, so the inheritance boxes are like mini expansions to the game, but also give you a grouping of like tactile objects and artifacts to interact with and I would say enrich your experience in game and your immersion. So for example, one of the inheritance boxes that I can reveal was called the toy box, which is all about cursed toys, abandoned factories and, you know, strange toy shops. Um, we've I have a bucket of dolls heads that I am currently, uh, destroying and making look creepy because the whole point with the inheritance boxes is that you gain, um, a new set of events, um, that can be kind of played and kind of muxed into the main game itself but have a more focused theme um like around kind of the objects that you're finding kind of within those boxes and these objects can be anything from scraps of paper news clippings distressed dolls heads um like i'm, I'm kind of currently making um even um you may find a thumbstick um in your inheritance box that has some things that i have potentially placed on there that have some clues or artifacts that you can use. And these are all things that um, you can obviously still go out and make your own artifacts and make your own things. Um, but we'll be designing these to go along with the events um, that are kind of in there as things that you can actively react to, paste in your book, take photos of and interact with. Almost like kind of like if you're going to go away and make your own found footage movie, the inheritance box is giving you the props to do that. Um, and really kind of give it a new life as an experience. Um, and we have three of those in total, uh, all with different unique themings um, and items and artifacts and goodies inside to match as well. Um, I will say as well, we also have an early bird goal um, that if we fund within 48 hours, we will, we will be releasing what's called a digital inheritance box. So what that will most likely entail um, is a zip folder from me filled with a lot of horrible things 
um, for you to play around with and interact with. Um, it's very much allowing me to lean back into my old film and TV uh, background because audio and video is very much my jam. So there's going to be some very uh, uh, kind of cursed images, I think, uh, that people are going to receive as part of the digital inheritance box. But that's only refunded in 48 hours. Um, oh. So yes, and, and everyone, everyone who backs the Kickstarter in some way will receive a digital inheritance box for free um as, as part of that fantastic we we like props oh yeah we do we love <laughs> yeah, props yeah it's like props uh, here's makes a, the game that much better yeah here's this wonderful game i'm not interested there's props oh take my money uh, yeah. i don't care what the game is i just want the props <laughs> all of that sounds great um what is going to be the like the digital buy-in and then the physical buy-in for just the game itself inheritance boxes aside because obviously those are going to be increased costs. Yeah. Those will be, just let me pull that up. Because mm -hmm. my memory for numbers is absolutely abysmal. <laughs> oh, um, what are you talking price. about? You'll If you say a number now, no one's going to yell at you later. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's definitely a thing of, of just like, I re uh, I, uh, it's one of those things where I cannot get it wrong. Um, oh, I know. Make, make sure it is a hundred percent correct. Okay. I heard on Titter Pigs it was twenty pounds, and it's <laughs> twenty pounds five. And I hate you. <laughs> so, um, to get in on this digitally, um, where you receive our core rule book and um, a record um, that you can kind of use or print out digitally, uh, that's fifteen pounds. Um, okay. Is is the is the entry tier for this? Um, to get yourself uh, just the physical book, um, so the rule book. Uh, that's 30 British pounds. Mm -hmm. um, then we have our Curse Collectors, which we've got priced at £59. And this gets you a physical book, a, a premium physical record for you to write um, your and kind of scrapbook um, your kind of cursed record that you make. And also a set of blood splattered dice that may have belonged to the previous owner of said record. Um, so you get yourself a, a nice dice set uh, to play along with as well. Um, then at £99, we have the Inheritance where you get to select one of our free main inheritance boxes um, and, and kind of play through those with everything as well that I've kind of mentioned before. Um, fully cursed at £175, um, you get all free inheritance boxes. So you get uh, as long as the core game record and dice. Um, so if you're kind of looking to play through different themes as well as like kind of do a random playthrough, the level of replayability at that tier, crazy. And also you get a bucket of props very interesting weird cursed little items um then uniquely cursed uh we have is um an expansion that won't be available for normal retail it's going to be a little bit more handcrafted by me and barney of giving you some unique cursed items that we are going to find source and make um and put those in so if you're looking for an extremely unique experience that will never kind of appear again um from us um, that is our uniquely cursed, and we have a limited amount of those. So we'll be making ten of those special oh, wow. boxes. Okay. Um, but that was, and that is at four hundred ninety nine pounds. But that includes everything as well underneath it as well, um, as well as a kind of handmade experience. And uh, our top tier, um, which we only have three of, uh, seven hundred ninety nine, is um, send me a picture of you and me and the artists uh, for don't play this game will incorporate you into a cursed image. Oh, nice. um, and speaking of art. Um, we've kind of been very happy to announce recently um, Trevor Henderson 
um, has joined the project um, as an artist, so the creator of Siren Head and many other cursed images. And that is going to be a fundamental part of our stretch goals as well, is bringing on more people from the analog horror art community, contributing cursed images um, to the core rulebook as well. So every time you turn that page, it's going to make you squirm slightly in the best possible way. Um, and yeah, and that's the structure um, of the Kickstarter, um, which we I know we've been, we've been kind of teasing for our social media, but for those who are um, kind of fascinated and want to know ahead of time, then yes, that's, that is everything that's going to be on offer. Um, if you're if you're running low on cursed items, I'd be more than happy to send you my first grade uh, school photo uh, <laughs> because there's nothing more cursed than that bull haircut my parents did for me. So um, you're welcome to it. Uh, it's fantastic. He tried to pawn it off on me. Don't take yeah. it. Yeah, don't take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am. I am genuinely intrigued. I mean, like I said, uh, for me, the demo, um, reading the intro to the demo, then reading through the scenes, I find it fascinating. I found yeah. it engaging. Even even just the instructions for how to play the demo, I found engaging. So mm-hmm. if that tone is what is going to be in the core book. I think listeners and and game players are gonna are in for a treat personally. Yes, um, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's definitely a change from as you mentioned earlier. You know the the more pastoral solo games. You know, I I as I I really don't want to do a journaling game in Stardew Valley. I'll just play the game. But if I'm going to take the time, I want something to be interesting and cool. And you know this this hits you know hits all the feels 100. percent So I I'm definitely looking forward to it too, as will many people once they you know they hear this podcast so i'm looking forward to this and and you know it, and it coming uh, out as soon as possible and i'm going to download i've already downloaded it. i'm going to sit down and play with the uh with the quick start too uh once i have uh free time probably after my kids graduate but you know hey you know better late than never um so last question um on the kickstarter is what is the expected release date of of the Kickstarter? So obviously it's going to end in um, November, and then you're going to have your production de- finished development and production time, and then when it when will backers get their products? So as, as we're kind of a small company and we're wanting to kind of keep things um, within kind of like good expectations, um, sure. we're kind of typically expecting probably about a year um, kind of post. Uh, that that like the the kind of ending of the kickstarter okay um for, for us us to kind of deliver however um with this there is always kind of wiggle room of um so we got hit by the shipping crisis um kind of when, when we were doing gothic and that slowed things down slightly but we'd pulled ahead in terms of development so we came out kind of early um on gothic when, when delivering that so so there's always some wiggle room but um what we're hoping is to kind of set expectations of year or just over a year but hopefully we will be delivering faster um is 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 the hope um as we are kind of getting a good amount of experience at producing books um and games at a, a kind of a better rate uh which is good so yes so you kind of people set expectations for kind of a year or just over a year um but we will hopefully be delivering earlier than that or much earlier than that well, Charlie, this as you've sold us. I mean that that goes without saying. But I mean, and you you've obviously you know sold us on on your previous visit. So I mean, if you're ever short, you just you know you've got two people to buy something. You can just come on and say, hey, I'm selling my old car. It's like oh, fine, we'll buy it. I guess you know we we like you. Just whatever we can do to support the company. Um, but uh, but yeah, so this sounds fantastic. So. Anything else that you want to touch upon uh, that we may have overlooked or, or anything else you want to reference regarding uh, 
this uh, don't play this game or parable games. Yeah, no, I think the, the kind of last thing I say is the the pastoral element that you mentioned with other solo yeah. RPGs. I'd say um, for anyone out there who's like a solo RPG player at the moment and really likes that pastoral feel and is unsure about something a bit spooky or a bit scarier, mm-hmm. I'd say one of the big inspirations for this and a feeling that I really want to replicate um, is that feeling of like going out on your bikes in your early teens and you're tooling around like the abandoned railways, going near the spooky house that's got ghost stories around it um every town or like kind of childhood has got its local folklore and i think this game gives you that element that you can kind of recreate that in some way so it kind of actually has a strangely pastoral element to it it's just the the dark grimier element of kind of young years and exploration that maybe isn't as fondly remembered but i feel it should be um it has right. that kind of stephen king stand by me let's go find a body by the train tracks kind of vibe like i think yes. it's like if that kind of level of pastoralness that darker shade to it appeals to you um mm-hmm. then this definitely could be the game for you as a solo rpg player i like yeah, that angle yes i do and, and nothing wrong with solo gaming about uh you know doing your laundry that's fine i appreciate mm-hmm. it i do too i uh, but Every once in a while, it's just like, yeah, I don't want to do my laundry. I want to go ride my bike down in the tunnels and see what creepy crawlies are down there. So, yeah. new story. <laughs> well, Charlie, thank you again for coming into the studio, mm-hmm. having a chat with us, telling us about your new your newest project, um, reminding listeners uh, of your previous project, Shiver. Mm-hmm. I guess the last thing is, where can people find you guys? Like the the Discord, the website, all the good stuff, all the socials. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if you search "Don't Play This Game" on Facebook or Instagram, uh, "Don't Play This Game" has its own uh, social media channels. Um, but you can find links for it as well through all of the uh, Shiver RPG uh, channels as well. Um, if you're looking at for us on Twitter or X or whatever it may be in the next month or so, if it's still alive, um, we're at Games Parable. Um, if you are still there, uh, we're looking yeah. at Blue Sky as well. I think we will eventually get on there, um, and so and some various other places. Um, but we post like regular updates um, on there as well um, a- a- across the board. Um, if you are interested um, in kind of checking out Shiver and some of our kind of other games, you can find us at www.parablegames.co.uk, and we ship um, throughout the entire US now. Um, that is all sorted, um, so you can order stuff, and it will be shipped from our US warehousing. Um, if you're interested in more monthly spooky stories, we also have um, Shiver RPG is on Patreon um, as well, releasing kind of monthly uh, stories for you to play, case files, as well as new small press content um, from myself and the team as well. Um, and finally, um, if you want to have a little look at Don't Play This Game, um, potentially get your hands on the demo. If you go to www.don'tplaythisga.me, um, so almost right www and then to write don't play this game but, but a dot between um the a uh, um and the ga and the me um yeah. you will find our website but those links are everywhere on our social medias as well um but but yes it was a uh, barney's world-winning idea of making our url even spookier than it <laughs> was already which i loved so it could, could, i think it's great <laughs> yeah and we'll, we'll we'll have links to all of this in the description which uh come to find out through experience that no one looks at so uh but there's still there for your convenience listeners so please take a moment and click on those if you you know don't want to write this down but uh uh everyone does it so anyways um We're yeah following so, the cool crowd i know charlie thank you thank you and and uh much success with this coming kickstarter which i'm absolutely sure you will have but uh 
Um, you know, but much success above and beyond because we want those goddamn stretch goals. Uh, so I, I mean, I mean, I want you to reach those stretch goals, uh, <laughs> is what I meant to say. Uh, well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me again. It's been an absolute blast. All right. You're welcome. Take care. Hey, Titterpigs fam. Just a quick reminder. We do have our Patreon going on. It's patreon.com slash titterpigs. You can show your support there. We have two tiers for you, a $3 and a $6 tier. So show us some love and be part of our growing community. And speaking of our growing community, I'd like to give a shout out to our current Patreon members. Dr. Mitch, Jason Sheets, Bud's RPG Review, Dwayne Costa, William Payne, Lupus Malum, Salt Heart, Patrick Mullen, and our newest member, Dragon Girl 74. <laughs>